Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Louis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Well, we're in deep summer, and we thought this week we would talk about wildflowers. I love flowers, yeah. Well, actually, what we're going to be talking about is a new book by Jonathan Raymond. He's a former superintendent of Sacramento City Unified and for the past four years has been president of the Stewart Foundation, which, for full disclosure, is a funder of EdSource. Well, Jonathan Raymond has written a book. It's called Wildflowers, A School Superintendent's Challenge to America. It's a short, interesting book, part manifesto and part memoir of his four years leading Sacramento City Unified School District through some difficult but also, as he says, exciting times. Jonathan Raymond came to our studio to talk about his book, and John, you asked him to explain the title. Wildflowers is really a, a thank you to Sir Ken Robinson, who talks about that gardeners don't tell a flower to grow but they help to set the, and create the conditions. And that's the same with adults in the education system. You know, we can't tell children to learn, but we can do a lot about setting the conditions to make sure that they are able to achieve and pursue um, their passions and their dreams. Well, you were a wildflower yourself as a child, as a young student, and I think that had an influence on you. When I was in sixth grade, my parents got a phone call from the principal of the school who said, you know, we want to send young Johnny back to fifth grade. Uh, he's not reading at grade level. We think he has a learning disability. They thought at the time perhaps something like dys dyslexia. Didn't make sense to my mother, who had been trained as a teacher. And uh, after a series of tests, um, by the way, the two best days of learning I had ever had in my life, I, the psychologist came back and said, there's nothing wrong with young Johnny. He's just bored. He's just shut down. He needs more structure. He needs to be pushed. He needs to be challenged. Um, Sounds familiar for a lot of a lot of young people, and I was fortunate uh, that I was moved into a school where you know I had a chance to really to really to really bloom. And uh, a first teacher really really showed me that um, that I could be something. That maybe I was smart. That I could learn. That's sort of like the whole child approach that you talk about in the book. So, what describe what whole child approach entails, and why is it different? Why is it important? It's pretty basic, John. It's really starting with the, from the premise of putting children in the middle and putting children at the center and figuring out what does he or she need? What are, what are the kinds of supports that are going to enable that child uh, to really succeed? And uh, while it does sound simple, it, it isn't because to address the needs of every child so that they can thrive can be challenging. But that's what I mean by whole child education. For some, it's arts and music. For others, it's making sure they have the right kinds of supports. For others, it's challenging them and pushing them and enabling them to help to develop their passion, to take the time. Um, but when you start with children in the middle uh, and you have adults that start to have a caring relationship with those children, often sometimes it's the first relationship that a child has where somebody says, I believe in you, you can be something. Uh, that's the kind of approach that I'm talking about that has adults really caring for and building relationships with children. Well, you describe whole child learning as, as not only head but heart and hands. Visualize. Explain what that means. That education is the integration of head and hands, meaning that what we're learning, we're trying to also apply 
But it goes a step beyond that because it's also about what comes from on the inside, which is the heart. Um, and I believe that that's really about having empathy and having compassion. And I think it was said so well by uh, Carrie Wilson, who runs Mills Teacher Scholars, when she said that the road to excellence in education lies at the crossroads of empathy and academic learning. And I couldn't have said it better myself. So what are the elements of a whole child education? And tell us what it might look like. You say in your book, it's, you're not giving us a blueprint per se, but it's a sort of a set of values. Explain what it looks like and how you introduce some of those elements in Sac City. Right. So it is about values, John. And again, I said a little bit earlier, it's about um, putting children in the center and basing all decisions around what's best for those for those children. It's finding ways to make the learning real and rich and relevant. Uh, and we did a lot of that work through our career pathways work. It's finding ways to challenge children, and that could be through uh, bilingual education programs. It could be through international baccalaureate programs or finding a variety of before-school and after-school programs that really help stimulate kids to make learning feel real, uh, to be able to then connect it to the workplace or to connect it to internships so they can see how what they're learning has relevance in their lives versus simply trying to learn math just to try to memorize certain formulas, but to say, how does that, how, how do I apply this and what does it mean in my life? But then to find ways for them to then understand what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes, to really understand uh, where they have come from, to bring what I call that learning is social and emotional. And that social part of it means that they're coming from families, they're coming from neighborhoods and communities, they're learning in the context of what's happening in their lives, and making sure that their classrooms and their schools are really reflective of that, and are places that also honor families and parents, and engage them and empower them to be part of that learning process. Because let's be real, schools only have children a certain amount of time during the day and during the, the during the year, and imagine like a wildflower, you know, those pots get, they get transplanted. You know, they go home, they go into communities, they go into neighborhoods. So we've got to figure out a way to really unleash. It's not just whole child, but it's whole community. So that uh, in essence, there's a, a fabric, uh, a safety net around our, our children um, so they can't fall through. In the book, you talk about certain programs and elements. Again, it's not that whole child is X and Y or certain specific programs, but, but you had summer in the city. You have uh, had a Waldorf school, which I think you said exemplifies the whole child approach, which you may want to talk about. And you had fresh food introduced. These are all perhaps elements of what a whole child approach would be or, or there should be more or right right it's not a, as i say in the book john it's not a checklist right you know have a, have a summer program check uh make sure we're we're having good nutritious food check but it's really it's again it's looking at the child from the standpoint of you know how, how do we make sure that we're meeting all all of their needs and when you have a school district like sacramento which was roughly 75 percent of the children comes from families that live in poverty you realize what we serve them and what we feed them in schools is largely what they eat. So I talk about if we're going to feed them corn dogs, 
Well, that's one thing. But if we can introduce them to fresh salad bars and uh, have other locally sourced fruits and vegetables, that's another thing. And we're also establishing really good, strong, solid eating habits. It's also being open and responsive to what the interests of the community and the children are. And I share the example of uh, having visited a school, uh, Sutterville Elementary, and going into a second grade classroom and um, being uh, confronted by a group of, of students who put it right to me, who said, Superintendent, you know, why do we have styrofoam trays in our cafeteria that take 50 years t to break down? My classmates and I bring our own plates and silverware from home. Um, and we eat and we wash it every day. What are you going to do about it? And so part of the book is reminding superintendents and other leaders in our public education system that they're there to lead. Uh, and part of that is not only having a vision and a shared vision that was developed w with the community, but looking for opportunities to implement that vision. I didn't come to Sacramento um, necessarily to green schools, but when I came, and I understood that this was really important to the community. It provided an opportunity when it presented itself to really do something, not only with the way we looked at food, but how we started to think about greening our schools and using some remaining bond money to start to do something really powerful, which was to empower our young people in our schools to really understand um, what it meant to have uh, schools that were safe, that were good for the environment, as well as good places to learn, and to give them an opportunity to really do something about it. That connection between ideas and action is really important for young people. Speaking today with Jonathan Raymond, who is president of the Stewart Foundation and author of a new book, Wildflowers. You went to Sac City at a time of a recession. You had budget cuts. You had teacher union issues. How, how do you mesh all this with approach of a whole child, and was there some resistance? How'd it go? It really went, and I talk about that in the book, right? You can. It certainly would have been easy to stick our head in the sand, or it would have been easy to simply try to solve problems the, the whole time. I think we knew intuitively that because of the challenges, we couldn't do it by ourselves, right? We couldn't just simply remain a school district, essentially isolated from our community. Uh, but we had to open ourselves up, and we had to not only put ourselves uh, in the center of our neighborhoods to really think about opening up, right? I remember walking through and going through a neighborhood on a, a Saturday, uh, and it was the only green space in that neighborhood, except the fences were locked and chained. There was no access to this green space. And it was a metaphor for, I think, how the school district at the time was positioned, which was pretty isolated. And we couldn't do it by ourselves, so we wanted to shift that paradigm and uh, to really open ourselves up, to open up our schools, right? To open up uh, playgrounds, to open up, to have each one of our schools have a parent resource center, which was a place where parents could come and, and feel welcome to take education classes, to have access to a computer. And uh, that was the way we started to approach, which we realized that we needed to be as, as strong and efficient as we could from the inside, right? I call that the inside out strategy, but truly, Scale and sustainability comes from the outside in. When you start to leverage the resources of a community and you realize that our best 
people in Sacramento, you know, came from that community and lived there. And they were going to stay long beyond, long, long beyond me. And when I left and some people that, that I brought to the school district, they would be there. So empowering them. And I think that was the greatest thing that a superintendent could, could do. I, I call it giving them a, a license or, or, or a mortgage to really have some ownership and connection. Well, Jonathan, will this approach cost a lot of, a lot more money than we have in California? You know, that's an issue. We certainly didn't have a lot of money at all um, back in 2009 when I came to Sacramento, John. In fact, the money kept getting 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 uh, less and less. It's it isn't about money. It's about it's about beliefs and opportunity. You know, we decided because the approach was let's turn off all the electricity and all the air conditioning in our schools in the summertime and. Uh, but in essence, we were shutting our kids down as well. Um, so we looked for the various resources. We looked for opportunities. You know, summer at City Hall, when we engaged our community to provide summer internships for our students, didn't really cost us a lot. Um, it was using our social capital. I went over to Sac State and I met with then President Gonzalez, and he told me that he had been there seven or eight years. This was the first time he had ever met with a superintendent. And I kept hearing that over and over again. And it's relevant for today as we look at the local control funding and with the recent appropriations by the legislature and the governor to provide more opportunities and ways for school districts to engage their, their communities and their parents and their families. You know, this is something that we had to do in Sacramento because of the resource constraints. Um, so we were fortunate. We had, I talk about it in the book, we had the parent-teacher home visit program, which trained our teachers to go into the homes of their students to begin to build relationships. And we took that model and we ran with it, not only expanding it, but it just became the approach. We were relentless on building partnerships and, and going out and into our communities. So it's about using your dollars, both your hard dollars and your social capital, much more effectively. So how far along are we in California in sort of moving towards a whole child approach? And there's certainly a lot of talk about social emotional learning and one of the worries is that it might be a fad, right? Yes, um, and I think what I'm also trying to say is is that what I'm proposing in whole child education isn't something new, right? It's what the progressive educators like Dewey and Montessori and Rudolf Steiner had always been talking about, which is basing education on the needs of children. They, at the time, looked at child development and how children develop. And today we have the advantage of brain science and uh, to go along with brain development. So it's not a new approach. In fact, it's returning to a, an era where um, it really was about community education and, and coming together to do that. I'm excited about what's happening in California. It's, it's really leading the country in terms of what's possible. Social and emotional learning, I really say, is whole child education in action, right? It's beginning to understand that, that child wellness is based upon teacher and educator wellness. So we can't expect our educators to, to be developing those relationships uh, and to creating, helping to create whole children if they themselves aren't whole. And I talk about this a lot about superintendents, is that this work is not only about leading from the outside, but it's about leading from the inside. That's why this idea of head and hands are important, but they're incomplete without the heart. This heart part is really, really important, both for kids and for adults. So it, I would think it's easier to introduce a program 
or even a successful program like Home Visitation. How do you, though, spread the beliefs and values and to everyone? Teachers have a role, parents, community, leaders. Principals. So it's about engaging with them. Um, when we spent a lot of time in Sacramento developing our, stra- our strategic plan, now at the time, and this is what I, I wrote the book, it, I had a chance to really reflect and to, and to step back. The local control funding and developing local control accountability plans require really to create a vision for how we want to have uh, education here in our community. In other words, the purpose. As Simon Sinek says, you start with why. Why are, why are we doing this? And then you go and you, and, and you start building on the strategies. Strategies are easy. As you said, John, it's the how. It, it's the how are we going to do this? You know, what are the things we're going to do? But they have to be grounded in the why. And when you engage people in that conversation, simply going out to ask, they understand that um, it may not be their forte and they're not in charge of, of the teaching and learning, but they've had a voice. And that voice is really, really important. You can disarm and you can begin to build trust when you ask, what are the hopes and dreams for your children? What does education look like in this community? And that's the place to start. And that's what's happening here in California. And that's what I was really proud of when I learned right, um, about the Waldorf programs in our school district. I talk about it in the book that on my first 100 days, I was out visiting every school and every one of our facilities. And I was on a real strict regimen, three schools a day, 45 minutes a visit. And when I got to the Waldorf school, then at, at John Morse, it blew my schedule for the day because I stayed two and a half hours. I visited every classroom. It just looked differently. It smelled differently. There were mud boots outside of every classroom, uh, plantings, natural play structures. You could hear children um, singing. You could hear um, happy adults. And when you have that, I think, happy children, happy teachers and educators and engaged and committed parents, um, you're really meeting the needs of children. And I've learned a lot, uh, as I talk about in my book, of education, uh, largely through my children and other people's children. So I noticed that this week, Governor Brown has appointed Jane Marks, who's a teacher at the Waldorf School in Sacramento City, to the Commission on Teacher Credentialing. So I guess you'll have a voice in state government. She is an amazing educator. I'm really proud and privileged that um, one of my wildflowers, my youngest daughter, Gabby, was in her kindergarten class uh, while we were still in Sacramento. Uh, She has an amazing heart for children and um, a sense of wisdom and experience and that ability to develop relationships with, with kids. And as you see in the Waldorf model, they, they loop with their students, meaning they go from first grade to, to eighth grade. So what's so beautiful about that model is you've got uh, built-in collaboration. The teachers must work together. Um, they share lesson plans. They share experiences. Imagine a, a first grade teacher working with a second grade teacher because next year I'm going to be teaching second grade. And by the way, I taught first grade last year. Here's some of the things that worked. Uh, The approach of really having children at the center. These teachers are guides. They don't dictate in those classrooms. And they start and end every day with a handshake and a hug. Uh, When I was superintendent in Sacramento, hugs were a good thing. Um, Because again, it's about building relationships with our young people, building a sense of confidence and trust. And like that first teacher that one day who put his hand on my shoulder and said, young Raymond, what a job you did. 
even though I got a 73, he made me feel like I had a 93. I think it's about trying to put your arms around as many children as possible. And that's Mrs. Marks. So obviously folks learn more about whole child education or can read wildflowers, but when, then what should they do? What would you recommend as the next step? It looks different in every community, John. And one of the things we're doing is we're helping communities to go out and understand. So how do you use this to begin to spark conversations? How do you use it to really inspire uh, and to uplift and to provide a sense of hope and opportunity. And then and then, what are the conversations that you can start ha- having as a community, as a school district, um, to begin to think about, you know, some of those questions, right? Um, what are the hopes and dreams for our children in this community? Um, why do we think it's important that we're educating children? Well, um, what are the questions we should start to ask? And sometimes that's where it is. It's about asking the questions. We've been speaking today with Jonathan Raymond, who is president of the Stewart Foundation and author of a new book, Wildflowers. Jonathan, thanks for stopping by. We look forward to hearing more about the book. It's great to spend time with you and to be here at EdSource, which we're proud to support. That was an interesting interview, John. And uh, one of the things that didn't really come up in the interview was that this notion of the whole child is actually embedded in the Every Student Succeeds Act. And um, I think a lot of people who share John Raymond's philosophy on this, are really going to try to leverage that mention. It's not really articulated that clearly in in the legislation, but it is in there. Yeah, it's interesting. It certainly was a nudge in that direction. It's certainly in the local control funding formula with its emphasis on parental involvement and school climate and measurements of suspension rates that Jonathan talked about. Uh, It's interesting that this notion that came as a result of a bipartisan vote in Congress, both Republicans and Democrats sport into this. So interesting to track this on a national level as well. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. Brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Thanks to our sponsor, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation. You can find us on iTunes and at edsource.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.